You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome everyone back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm joined... On this uh, tropical storm morning, this 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 blizzard of a day here in sunny Southern California by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you coping with the extreme weather events? I can hear, I can barely hear you, Dave, because of the wind <laughs> yeah. that's whipping through my backyard right now. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, behind the curtain at the Woods household, uh, last night, both, both of my children had to come in with me uh, because it was... Uh, it was it was far too windy outside. They were scared. It we was, had our uh, whole neighborhood come in to our bedroom. Yeah, yeah, no, because I, and I everyone think was so scared. Well, actually, you just have a you, yeah. You like to have a town meeting. Um, the, well, the, I mean, if people, that's what do, you want to call it. Do people know that we the called Pearson it something bedroom? else, Dave? But okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, we're getting weird. We're a minute and getting 20 in. weird. I think we've been there for quite a bit. Long been time. weird. All right. Well, Dave, do you think I sound like Steven Spielberg? No. Someone no. said that on the. Uh, well, I'll be honest. I haven't heard enough of Steven Spielberg to have him in my. I don't you know, know if I. I think that's a compliment. No. Sure. Okay. I mean, he's a bright guy. Or, or the dude, a, or or from. Um, what was the other one? Oh, it was. Uh, <clears throat> shit! 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 Oop, I just cussed like five times. Wow. <laughs> You're like me. <laughs> Um. Uh, oh God, I can't remember. I'll remember halfway through when you're talking. I'll just blurt it out if yeah, that's okay. I, I, I reserve I the right to do that. One I don't time. think you sound like anybody. I think you sound like Tracy Pearson. Thank you very much. Um. Anyway, we're a UCLA sports podcast. We 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 covered UCLA sports. Um. Not just earwax removal. <laughs> hey, um, we haven't talked about that in weeks. True. Two weeks. Um. Now. As a UCLA sports podcast, uh, we should cover the controversy of uh, of this past weekend. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tee it all up here. So the bracket reveal was Saturday morning. Uh, the CBS released the top 16 seeds for the NCAA tournament. I'll be honest, I didn't watch. Don't care. Uh, and but, why are we doing that? I mean, just to create another. I mean, are we gonna have a reality TV show and? Coach K goes to the bathroom. With yes. Him. Do we need another TV yes. show? Yes. <sighs> Absolutely. We need more content. Always more content. Content needs to be brimming over. We are content farms. Damn. Now, the top 16 seeds were re- revealed, um, and these are the real-time, you know, you know, purported to be, if the NCAA tournament was today, these would be the top 16 seeds. Now, UCLA, um, in... Every credible metric um, and in bracket matrix, um, basically in every possible way, wait, wait, was wait, rated. Wait, the most important one. 
In the, the net, net rate, I looked up what they have listed, the NCAA, about the net rankings. And it literally says this is what they use, the primary okay, so source. Let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, all right, so let me just set it up and then I'm going to give a brief synopsis okay. for everyone what's going on with why the seedings were like this. But yeah. first, UCLA, higher than Arizona, probably the highest of the purported two seeds in every single one of these metrics. However, they were the lowest rated two seed in the initial reveal. They were the eighth seed overall. Arizona was well above them and the, the top seed in the West. UCLA shunted to the East, still playing in Sacramento, but in the uh, NYC regional. What's going on here <clears throat> is um, first, and this is foremost, and everyone should keep this in mind before we get into the not really conspiracy theories, but the little bit more of the inside baseball stuff. What's going on is you have a metric system, uh, the net, which is pretty good. It's not great, um, but if you look at it and you squint a little bit, it more or less aligns with Ken Palm. It's an efficiency metric. It's, you know, it's good enough. Um, and you have idiots who are in charge of interpreting it. So you've got the net, and the net creates quads, right? Because you've got all these teams that are ranked from 1 to, whatever, 370 in the net. Um, and the quads are based on whether it's home, away, or neutral, where you are in the net determines what kind of win you got over a particular team. So UCLA, for example, is five in the net or four in the net, whatever they are right now. They're a quad one win for whoever beats them, whether it's home, away, or neutral. But if you're like 50, you're a quad one win if somebody beats you at home, but you're not a quad one win if somebody beats you on the road. Make sense? Like, the, just the ranking system is what determines your quads. What the idiots on the selection committee are doing and have done for several years is not pay attention to the actual ranking, the actual efficiency ranking, but only paying attention to the quads. So to put it kind of in a specific circumstance here, Arizona beats Tennessee by like five points. Um, that's a quad one win. Um, not an impressive win. A lot of teams are beating Tennessee by maybe a little bit even more than that. But they beat them by five points, so it counts as a quad one win. UCLA has a quad one win at Maryland where they beat them by 27 points. For any kind of efficiency metric, for any kind of predictive metric, that's a much more impressive win, even though Maryland is lower rated than Tennessee. But because they're both quad one wins for the idiots, the people who are on the selection committee, those are the same thing. When you just now, say idiots, should we just assume you're talking about the selection committee? Is that what we correct. should do? Okay. But the efficiencies tell you, wow, that's a much more impressive win for UCLA because they blew them out. Like they smoked them off the floor, whereas Arizona won a nail biter. Um, Arizona has a few more of those nail biting wins over quad one teams. UCLA, again, because of judging efficiencies and predictive metrics, they have more impressive wins because they've been blowing teams out with more regularity. Um, that's more predictive for a team's success going forward which is why the efficiency metrics are generally what dictate Vegas lines. Um, now, all of that is kind of to the side. That's the dumb stuff they're doing just as a general thing. So let's just talk first just about that. What you're saying, and we, do we all really know what they're basing all these seeds on? Do we, though? Um, That's what you it's, assume. It's, it's reverse engineering guesswork. Exactly. But it's the only exactly. thing that makes sense. Right, only thing that makes sense. And what you're saying is, 
so remember that you said back in the day, the committee would just come out with all these seatings and you go, how the hell did they come upon that? So then they kind of tried to come up where we're going to re- we're going to have all this data driven stuff. This is what we're going to do. But what you're saying, what you just said, what they're the data they're basing it on is idiotic. Right. Yeah. OK. OK. Just wanted to establish and that there's a lot of data out there which isn't idiotic, which makes so much more sense. Correct. Okay. They're they're misapplying it. So the, the reason they got rid of RPI as like one of these major metrics is because they were misapplying it in this exact same way. And now they didn't replace the idiots. They just replaced the metric. And so they're just doing it again with a new metric because it's easier for them to understand because they're stupid. Um, so hopefully that helps everyone to understand just kind of generally why it shouldn't just be whatever the top 16 teams in the net more or less applied to um the selection committee doesn't work that way because stupid people are in charge. Now, uh, what went on this weekend was Mick Cronin after the uh, Cal game. Yeah. After the Cal game, um, he was asked by uh, LA times Bill Plaschke. Uh, what do you think about that bracket reveal? And Cronin said, it's comical. And then said correctly, uh, it's related to UCLA's departure from the PAC 12. He didn't, he didn't um, make it explicit. But, again, there's a lot of stupid people interpreting this stuff. The reality of what happened is very soon after UCLA was announced to the Big Ten, Martin Jarmond was removed from the NCAA selection committee for the NCAA tournament, and Arizona's Dave Hickey was added to that as the Pac-12's representative. That's a real thing that happened in direct response to the to UCLA going to the Big Ten. Okay, so stop there for a second because I just want to take this in pieces there was so much media who reacted to Mick's comments, and their first point was, what a leap of faith. How did he get that? How did he immediately go to a reaction over UCLA's departure to the... I mean, they were so quick to tweet and talk. They didn't even, they didn't even get that it was that... Mick didn't say it, but there is there was a history here of Martin Jarman being relieved from the NCAA tournament committee and replaced by Arizona's athletic yeah. director. I mean, they what? they said things with without either knowing that or without remembering that, which not, not that was no, one of the most phenomenally mind blowing things of this whole incident. incredibly. I mean, incredibly lazy stuff. Yeah, it, it, but that's expected par for the course is um okay but the, the 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 weird part for me is that everyone jumped to oh this is a pure conspiracy theory from cronin as if he's talking about like a cabal of people who are like <laughs> affiliated with the ncaa who are like no we can't have ucla there because it's costing the pack 12 millions of dollars if that doesn't make any sense to you then think harder like okay then what is he actually saying here what is he talking about and here's the thing uh he talked about it and it's true um ucla had dan guerrero on the selection committee for how many years long time long time and i think it was during the final four years if you don't think ucla got a little bit of favorable treatment because dan guerrero was on the selection committee uh you are a newborn baby (laughs) um and that's very sweet and i'm glad you're listening to the show very cute Um, but you're pooping your pants too much if if Arizona isn't getting favorable treatment on the selection committee, Dave Hickey isn't doing his job correctly. Um, his job 
is in the broad scheme of things to advocate for the Pac-12 on this committee. But I thought that Arizona, was his job. Isn't that delineated somewhere that that's yes, why they're there? It, I mean, sure. Yeah. But his his actual job that he gets paid for is to be Arizona's athletic director. And Arizona just so happens to have a credible case for being the top West seed. Not the best case. UCLA has the best case. But they have a credible enough case that he would not be doing his job as the Arizona athletic director not to put his thumb on the scale. I'm not saying that's exactly what's happening. As I said earlier, this committee being comprised of idiots uh, could be making this decision genuinely. They could be saying, well, we, we're counting the quad one wins because that's what we understand. We understand how to count. We don't understand efficiency metrics. Um, but it could also be Hickey saying, hey, you know what you guys need to prioritize after he looks at the team sheets? Quad one wins. Those are the most important things. And it's not just because my team has more than UCLA. With all uh, this data, can you just see him in a room just counting up quad one wins and that's it? Yes, that's exactly what they're doing. I, 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 I guarantee it. But anyway, um, it's oh all very gosh. stupid. Mick Cronin says something that's fairly logical. He does it in a kind of controversial way. Um, and I, I, I'm, I could go either way on whether this was a genuine ranking from the selection committee because they're idiots or whether it was Hickey putting his thumb on a scale. Either way, I don't think it's – I personally don't think it's that controversial. I think it's, you know, kind of, eh, whatever. It's the way things kind of go. Um, and I think it's great for Cronin to bring it up. It's fun. It adds to the fun of this whole thing. Um, but then – after he says this, you know, uh, Ben writes a story in the Times um, bringing it up. Plashke, I don't think, has written anything yet. Um, and uh, Seth Davis. Plashke, uh, give him credit, asked the questions, though. So, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Uh, he teed it up. Uh, Seth Davis. Um, Who? Um, moron. <laughs> Seth Davis. Uh, he writes a section of his story in The Athletic where he refers to Cronin as uh, irresponsible, uh, unfair, uh, unbecoming. And then there was some other word. He was trying to go for something. It all didn't really work too well. Um, but uh, basically taking issue with it in the same kind of dumb way where he's saying it had nothing to do. Or why is he saying anything about people wanting to make more money and UCLA leaving is going to cost them money. They don't care about the Pac-12. And I, uh, I wonder, too, if he understands. He didn't know at he, the time that, that Jarmond was replaced with Hickey. Um, tweeted about it later, um, but didn't actually connect the dots on what was being said here originally. But in the process of writing all this, also got some basic facts wrong, um, including – he had UCLA as lower than Arizona in every bracket or nearly every bracket. They're not. They were ahead of Arizona in nearly every bracket. On bracket matrix, he had it as they weren't a one seed on any bracket in there. UCLA was a one seed in two. Uh, they were the highest rated two seed. All this stuff, just basic factual errors on top of this. Um, and he goes in on it. Um, and to be fair, uh, you know, I went in on him. Uh, a few other people did as well. Um, he, he's a, he's an unabashed troll and that's just kind of his thing. Um, but it's this just kind of idiotic controversy, um, because th these guys don't know how to do any, any journalism whatsoever. Did you like also it would have been, oh, you could have disagreed yeah. with his reasoning easily while understanding it. 
um, and this this disbelief that he could have had anything anything like to stand on that that he he had that the ground he was standing on was so uncertain that you can call him out for being whatever unfair and unbecoming when he's making a narrow critique of the reality that Dave Hickey replaced Martin Jarmond. That's that's just fact. That's that's observable reality. Um, you know what's and, really fun too in our yeah. job is when something times out so perfectly. So 24-7 had a video. It's called Inside College Basketball. Who's reaching the Final Four? UCLA, Arizona. CBS's sports, uh, that show, Inside College Basketball, had a few analysts literally comparing which team they would pick between UCLA and Arizona that they think would have a better chance to make the Final Four. Seth Davis was one of those guys. And, and he clearly said that UCLA was his pick because he wanted, I think he said, because he wanted to be on the smart side of it pretty much. So that I had that story ready and then, well, it was, it was, it was just happening. Then Cronin made his reaction. Then Seth Davis had his reaction. I had that story. That's beautiful, beautiful to me that I can then That's publish synergy. that story. And everyone was, wait, was this before or after? Yeah. And it's just like, so making a big deal out of this stuff. And I understand it at some level because, you know, it's all part of the, it's all part of the entertainment. Part of the entertainment is having like, you know, these national reporters do their stupid thing about these various things. And then we can all get worked up on Twitter about it. But then. Yeah. It's so, what's so funny about this whole thing is there's no grudge about this against Arizona. At all, like you said, everyone has their case for being seated high. Nothing yeah. against Arizona at all. Nothing against the problem is really is just such a. If you're talking about irresponsibility in journalism, my God, I, I mean, we'd all be fine if it weren't for the irresponsible journalists that are getting so much wrong for some agenda and damn i mean ucla fans we've been through this whole big 10 thing and we're talking about journalists getting things wrong because they have agenda my god to the point where unbelievable of of what of what we've witnessed and now we witness this which is incredible and and i mean really you know, Eric Bossy of 24-7 wrote a piece, and, and there's a couple of things about what Mick Cronin really... Mick Cronin isn't... He's not doing something irresponsible. He's doing something for a reason. He said those... He made those comments... God, when Plasky asked him that... <laughs> asked him that question, he's all, yes. Yeah. <laughs> because he's, he's doing it for a reason. First off... I think Mick has actually said this before, and every coach will say this. I would rather have my players feel like they're a little bit of an underdog than the favorite. Almost always. Playing with the chip on your shoulder, you play harder. That's right in Mick Cronin's wheelhouse. Number one. Number two, you could make the argument that, and a lot of the arguments made a lot, that the advantage in all these seeds really is where you play, Right. If UCLA got the number one or let's say the number two seed in the West, they would play in Las Vegas, right? They'd end yeah. up playing in Las Vegas as opposed to, say, the East region of, of New York. 
The advantage being that their body clocks aren't off. You know, they're they're just going to Vegas. It's it's not as grueling a a flight. Uh, but it's mostly, from what I've heard from coaches, it's just adapting to uh, the time change. That that's the biggest thing. Um, I mean, they're all chartered planes. It, it's not that big of a deal to get on a charter plane and get off. Um, it's you know four more hours, let's say. But it is it is the time change. But if you look at the the regions, the way they seeded it, Dave, would you be really that against? What would you rather do? Would you rather be Arizona at the sixth seed and you're playing Kansas as the fourth as I'm over the sixth seed overall, playing Kansas, which is the fourth seed overall, with Gonzaga, which is the fifteenth seed, or would you rather be in the East where you're playing against number three seed Purdue? 11, Iowa State, and 14, Marquette. Yeah, no question about it. Um, the, the the competition in that East Regional looked really cakey, and that actually got me thinking when I wrote my thing, which is, I mean, Vegas is Vegas, and it's close, and it's close for the team, but like, if you're talking about fan base, shoot, I don't know. Uh, um, I'm telling you, I bet you could make a case there'd be more UCLA fans that show up in Madison Square Garden than show up at T-Mobile in Vegas. Yeah, and so I don't I, I don't know. Um but yeah, I think your 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 point is well taken that um it's just the the the, the body clock. I think it does matter. I think it would matter. I would feel much stronger about it if the final four were even in Phoenix or uh the Bay Area or sorry, if the regional were in Phoenix or the Bay Area or even like Portland, then I do Vegas. I don't I I truly don't know how much they're going to travel for Vegas. Um given the last few times we've seen it. Obviously, it's an NCAA tournament game. It'll be different. But um, all that said, all that said, there was this huge, you know, controversy about this whole thing. And then, and this is just another, this is basically just a Seth Davis critique. This is, that, that's what I'm on right now. Um, <laughs> Should I go get something to drink? Yesterday, uh, Nate Oates, um, just a profound dumbass, um, he... So it was finally revealed that Brandon He's the Miller, Alabama coach, by the way. Yeah, Alabama's head coach. He's the analytics guy. Um, so you'd think I'd love him, but no. Um, uh, Brandon Miller, his star player, uh, was actually not just uh, at the scene of the murder uh, from Darius Miles, who was kicked off the team, but uh, b- provided Darius with the murder weapon. Um and uh, Nate Oates was questioned about this and basically said, oh, yeah, wrong place, wrong time, college kids. Being now, college first kids. off, let's be a little bit accurate. There are there are details where it is Miles's gun and Miller happened to have it. And he said, hey, bring the gun to me. OK. Oh, OK. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I'm just no, because that's a, totally a lot of the arguments circumstance. out there that's were a- saying. It wasn't some random gun. It was Miles's gun. But okay, totally he called normal him at like one forty-five in the morning and said, "Bring my gun to this place." Yeah, yeah, no, and that obviously we've all had that experience. <laughs> a close friend, we borrow their handgun, um, you know, and then they text us or call us at one forty-five in the morning, and we drive over, give them the gun, and then remain present while it's being fired and yeah. and, and killing somebody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've all had that experience. Sure. Um, Wrong place, Nate wrong Oates. time. Nate Oates, uh, wrong place, wrong time. And uh, college kids being college kids. Can't control all That was amazing. That that might be worse than wrong place, wrong time. Uh, homie would be fired at any 
uh, credible institution. Uh, Alabama not being one, he's not yet been fired. He had to release some sort of apology yesterday. It was half-assed. Um, the, the the big thing that uh, – look, obviously everything with Alabama is very bad. Uh, Brandon Miller shouldn't be on the team. Uh, Nate Oates should be fired. Uh, Seth Davis, my man, uh, spent most of his Monday, most of President's Day, just tweeting up a storm – going hard on UCLA and the the you know lack of class, the unbecoming nature of Mick Cronin, the sheer lunacy, even going after reporters like Ben Bolch and, and Bill Plasky. Yeah, just right there. After they wrote their um, – Ben wrote his piece and Bill pointed it out on Twitter. Seth Davis, the way he – oh, much respect. You guys do a great job. But – uh, you kind of really don't know what you're what you're talking about, and and I I do in my douchey way. I'm gonna just say I know more than than you guys. You, you do a good job in your little way out there, but, but out there on the West Coast. But but I know more. Yeah, no, absolute um, condescending, just a, a total piece of crap. All right, uh, all he has said so far about the uh, Alabama incident is. Why are we just learning this information now? Why are these details just coming out now? Is this tweet? I've I've not read another word from him about it. That's that's so. You know what, Dave? This is what I want to believe. He jumped the gun on Mick Cronin because he he forgot about the whole thing with the NCAA tournament committee. So now he's doing his due diligence and he's really looking in into the whole incident so he doesn't get anything wrong this time. There you go. There yeah. you go. Yeah, it's just. I think this is part of. So I'm going to be extremely fair here. One of these things is infotainment, which is the Mick Cronin stuff. This is a way to get some clicks. The other one is an actual serious thing that happened, and he is not a serious person. So um, having any take on it whatsoever is beyond him. Beyond, oh, wow, this information is new, uh, which is literally just a statement of fact, not in any way a commentary on it one way or the other. Um, the reality is, though, is because he's not a true journalist, because he has no actual, um, well, uh, just no, uh, you know, uh, center, no no ability to say, you know, oh, this is bad, this is good, um, except in these, like, really, n- like, nitpicky bureaucratic ways. Nate Oates doesn't get fired in the next month. It's just going to be business as usual for that guy um, because, and it's not just Seth Davis, it's all these people like him who are, you know, sports journalists in the sense that they go on TV and they talk about stuff, but they don't actually take a stand on anything of importance. What's important here is that, um, yeah, Darius Miles got kicked off the team because he actually did it, but um, I'm not a lawyer, Tracy, or a cop, but if I were to give somebody a weapon that they requested that we know is a weapon, and then they perform a murder with it within, I don't know, 30 minutes of me giving it to them. I think I get charged with something. Well, I know this because I, I actually did read about it and, and it's, and it's specific to state law and Alabama law. I don't know about other states. I just know this about Alabama. You have to show intent to be an accessory. You have to show an, an that you, your intent was to help with this crime. So I'm not, no one knows whether his intent was to help, whether, well, the, whether well, the conversation was, Hey, just bring my gun. I'm going for a little, you know, late night shooting 
or bring my gun because I've got someone I'm going to use it on. And yeah, then your intent got, has, was to bring the gun to facilitate the crime. Yeah, yeah. And that's all for figuring out once you've gotten to court. There yeah. wouldn't actually be a problem bringing any sort of charges against him for supplying the gun. It's for later on to figure out whether or not there was actual intent, whether he's actually he was born literally yesterday and doesn't understand that bringing a gun to somebody at 145 and, you know, it should absolutely uh, the from what I read, I think it was the police, the DA's office said, no, there's no charges against him. He did nothing wrong. There should at least be something said that we are investigating whether there are further uh, any charges against Miller for intent. Correct. So anyway, I don't want to get into litigating that whole thing. It's just but the here's level the other of thing. commentary One more thing. about all this stuff is just kind of despicable. One more thing about Seth Davis. If he had said, I think it was irresponsible of Mick Cronin to use say that in a way to try to get his players motivated, I would have almost let it go and understood and, and been okay with that. But, I mean, Seth Davis... <laughs> he's been covering basketball for how long? He's got to know every coach does something for a reason. Mick, Mick Cronin probably, yeah, he probably is a little ruffled over the lack of respect UCLA. Probably the reasoning that he doesn't want to go to New York, I'm sure. But I think the vast majority of it is let's motivate my team and, and you know us against the world back up against the wall. We all know this. This is what coaches do. And... Uh, all of these people can't say, yeah, well, that's what Mick Cronin was doing, I'm sure. He maybe shouldn't have done it that way, even though I, I like that he did it that way. But if, if you were going to call him out, that's what you would... Uh, the fact that they act so obtuse, willingly, at, at times not to know a sport that they know so well is really bizarre. To me, I mean, as soon as Mick act. said that, I go, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I'm no genius. I've just been covering sports for a long time. You go, oh, yeah, I know why you're doing that. You know, you're doing that to motivate your team. Uh, isn't that what any credible person who follows the sport would believe? Right? I, I think a lot of these people are just very stupid. Wow. Um, okay. That's all for that. Let's, let's get into actual stuff. Okay. Um, that was a long time on that. That was a long time on that. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky 
co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. UCLA, uh, the basketball team, is still very good, despite um, the Black Reveal listing them as number eight team. They're probably the number four or five team. Uh, regardless, um, they go on the road this week against Utah and Colorado. Um, both games are currently... Uh, if you want to get back into the dumb counting, uh, both games currently would be quad one wins uh, because both teams are in the top 75 in the net. Um, so UCLA has an opportunity to impress people who uh, need to take off their shoes to count to 20. Um, so uh, two tough games. Uh, Utah's a little bit different from the last time UCLA will have played them. Uh, Brendan Carlson is back. He missed the first game, if you remember, at Poly Pavilion. Uh, but they're also down their second leading scorer. Um, the name's escaping me, like Madsen, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Raleigh Wooster may also be out. Um, so uh, they'll be favored in both games. Um, probably about six-point favorites in each game. Um, Colorado, they have K.J. Simpson. He can always get super hot and just go ham on somebody. Um, but two opportunities for big wins um and then it'll be the arizonas at home to close out the year uh ucla has a two game uh, effectively a two game lead in the conference race uh so they can afford one loss as long as it's not arizona um or sorry one loss no matter what um and two losses if it's not arizona right um so there's a lot of room to work with here uh but just go ahead and win out anyway. So we're talking about a couple of things that we'd like to see. First, uh, when's the last time UCLA won a Pac-12 championship? It's been a while, so we'd like 2013 to see, we'd is like the to regular see, season. Like to see that happen. When's the last yeah. time we won a Pac-12 tournament? 2014. Like to see that happen. It's been a while. Definitely, you'd have to say they're the favorite to do both this year, but you know the way these things happen. So those are the things we'd like to see. Plus, you'd like to see this play out for favorably in terms of UCLA's NCAA seeding. Um, let's say UCLA does well this weekend and it wins out. It beats Arizona at Poly Pavilion. Uh, then it's a Pac-12 tournament. Um, you could, I mean, of course there are upsets, but UCLA faces Arizona, let's say in the final, right? It won the right, that would be UCLA winning the regular season Pac-12 championship. Now it's trying to win the Pac-12 tournament championship. That game could really be key, Dave. Right, that could determine who gets the probably what the number two seed in the West, wouldn't you say? Well, so if if UCLA wins out from here, uh, let's count quad have, one wins. <laughs> so that'll be Utah and Colorado quad one, assuming they don't collapse. Arizona, afterwards. let's say Arizona beats Arizona State, that's a quad one win. Yeah. So well, no, no. So if UCLA wins out, they're definitely going to be ahead of Arizona. Right. The question is whether they might still sneak into a one seed. Okay. Um, so they would have Utah and Colorado and Arizona, all quad ones. I think right now, neutral court rules, um, it would be hard for them to have a non Arizona quad one win in the PAC 12 tournament. Um, I'll have to look at it. I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying also if Arizona wins out except for 
its game at Poly Pavilion against UCLA. So it beats Arizona State, beats USC, wins its two games, the Pac-12 tournament, faces UCLA in the final, and that's what we're set up for. Yeah, I mean, if 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 that's what occurs and UCLA wins both of the remaining matchups with Arizona, like they win to close out the regular season and then win in the Pac-12 tournament, they'll be ahead of Arizona. Right. If I mean, Arizona wins, though. If Arizona wins, the Pac-12 then championship tournament they'll, championship, they'll, they'll be they'll probably still be ahead of UCLA. Right. Um, so it's yeah, it's it comes down to the count at that point. But I think they would have a very hard time doing that to UCLA if they are both the regular season and Pac-12 tournament champion and beat Arizona twice. That um, would be phenomenal if Arizona ends up higher seed after that would be hilarious i would i would laugh forever but um um, if you're looking for a reason to go to the pac-12 tournament in las vegas this seems like this seems like really the tournament with the most heightened stakes i think if things play out i mean i think ucla is going to beat arizona at poly pavilion i think ucla and arizona are probably going to end up in the final of the pac-12 tournament championship you gotta go ucla fans man yeah i mean it's, this it's a fun is, time yeah it's a fun time um so yeah i think ucla still controls its own destiny um i don't the reveal didn't really make me deviate from that um they they can they can have the top well the top the pac 12s top seed in the west um but i still think they'd have an outside chance chance at a one seed um okay so that's pretty much the deal with hoops right now you got anything else on hoops um they're just such a fun team i could talk i could talk forever endlessly about them because they've won six straight again after they uh had that 14 game winning streak snapped just fyi yeah um yeah. i think i said something about that when everyone was freaking out after usc i was like oh they're gonna they're still gonna finish like eight and two nine and one down the stretch here and, and, they're, and mick, they're six and oh right now you want to talk about mick cronin's record for his first 125 games sure Sure. Uh, so through 125 games, uh, Mick Cronin is tied with Jim Herrick and Caddy Works uh, Caddy. for the uh, good old Caddy uh, for the winningest coach through 125 games. Yep, that's ahead of John Wooden. Um, it's uh, he's going to have a hard time pulling ahead. I think Jim Herrick uh, it took him until like game 130 something before he lost uh, another one. Um, so he's going to have to. I think Mick Cronin wins out through the regular season in the Pac-12 tournament. He might be, he might have the best start ever of any UCLA head coach. But however, uh, whatever way it breaks down, um, it's a, it's an elite start to a coaching career, especially when you factor in, they started year one, eight and nine. Um, so since then it's been approaching an 80% win rate, um, which is that's 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 the kind of stuff that eventually gets you a statue somewhere. So uh, obviously there's going to be a changing of the guard after this season. You know there's going to be Jaime Hawkes leaving. We've talked about it last show. Um, so maybe there'll be a bounce a little bit downward, maybe. Um, but right now, I, I, this is this is this is better than Howland started at UCLA um, and. You know, the the roster Cronin inherited when he first started wasn't exactly stocked. Um, so I think you got to give a lot of credit to the coaching job through four years. And then the quote that everyone likes to use, 
when you're watching a game or just on Twitter that UCLA is playing the best defense in the country since January 1st. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, there's so many things to like about If I them. had cockles, that would warm them. It would warm the cockles of my heart. Uh, the defense has been absolutely lights out for months now. Um, it's the best defensive team of his time at UCLA. If I'm looking at it, let's see. It might be the best defensive team of his career right now. Okay, no. 2018 Cincinnati still has the leg up in uh, adjusted efficiency. But that's the only one. Um, this is this is right up there with them defensively. What was that Cincinnati a, team ranked efficiency? They finished. Left? They were fourth in Ken Palm. They they were a two seed in the tournament. Um, so Dude, that was a I very that he did that at Cincinnati. That was a very good Cincinnati team. This UCLA team is on balance better uh, than that Cincinnati team. It's his best team he's ever coached. Um, so that's what you can do at UCLA. As I as we've been saying forever, uh, all coaches tend to have their best years coaching at UCLA. There's reasons for that. Good job. And and just to point out, remember when uh, the coaching search was happening and there were some bros clamoring for Nate Oates? And I pointed out that he didn't get through the vetting and everyone said, oh, that's just ridiculous. First said, didn't know what I was talking about and said, if that's true, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Just want to let that one sit for a minute. Yeah. Didn't make it through the vetting because he's a piece of filth. That's pretty good vetting. Let's let's say that. Pretty good vetting. Hey, you know who else didn't make it through the vetting? Chris Beard. Chris Beard. We're two for two on our vetting. Yeah. Who who who's the guy go, who did the vetting? Go Bruins. <laughs> he he go earned Bruins his money, vetting. man. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's shift gears over to football um, while we uh, still have some sanity left. Um, so, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, football recruiting and sort of, uh, how to think about football recruiting going forward. Because again, a peek behind the curtain, we're kind of still feeling it out a little bit too. Um, because there's some, some ways we've thought about football recruiting for a long, long time that have necessarily shifted, but we still find ourselves, you know, oh, they need to get, you know, more high school guys in this area or that area. And it's, um, you know, we have the, we've talked about this before, how always throughout history, we've always said team needs to get a quarterback every year. They need to get a quarterback every single cycle out of the high school ranks. That's just, you got to do it. It's like, you know, brushing your teeth in the morning. You just got to do it. And now it's like, eh, maybe, maybe, maybe they do. Yeah, I'm writing but, a story about this. And I just started really getting into, well, I started with quarterbacks and running backs. And offensive line. Um, yeah. I mean, quarterbacks, do they really need a quarterback in the 2024 class? Now, let's wait to see what happens, what shakes out after spring practice, because you're going to have you're going to have a showdown from Dante Moore, Ethan Garbers, Justin Martin, Colin Schlee, and someone might leave as a result of that. But even so... If you're a 2024 quarterback and you're considering UCLA, you're thinking about, well, Dante Moore is going to be there for three years minimum unless he transfers. And then Schley and Martin, whoever else is there, Garbers is going to have, has three years left. He's going to be a redshirt junior with an added COVID year. So uh, 
you do they need a 2020 and they got they got Luke Duncan a 2023 high school quarterback who's coming in with Dante Moore um as uh, it's it's kind of uh indicative of what UCLA is doing with quarterback recruiting they've only they only have one offer out to a not a 2024 quarterback who is not committed elsewhere at this point and understandably uh so it's just not only about right now in with this depth chart with this recruiting cycle of 2024 but do going forward yeah you'd like a mix of developing high school guys and some transfers but it's just not that critical that you're going to bring in a high school quarterback recruit anymore i'd say with ucla running back position it's kind of similar and I could even say that um, the running back position might be even a little bit more unique. I mean, UCLA arguably had the best running attack in the country, arguably the best running back in the country. If there's a position where it should step up and and be more like Georgia or Alabama or Ohio State-like and, and, and every project the image that this is like a glamorous place to be as a running back in UCLA's offense. It, it, you kind of take a whole different approach, right? I mean, yeah. you'd have to think you're going to have a really good shot of getting an elite transfer at any time. But on the other hand, with your high school recruiting, you'd have to say this would be your chance to do that recruit over thing that those other elite programs do like no matter what the depth chart looks like we want to recruit a guy who's even better because we can um so there's a lot of different i'm just using quarterback and running back recruiting as there's a there's we haven't really got into it that much on bro we've i've tried to but there's a whole different depth of nuance here when it comes to recruiting now because 2023 class, UCLA has 28 committed guys and 14 of them are transfers, including the JC transfer. And there's another JC transfer out there hanging out. So if there's 29, it'd be 15 and 14 towards transfers. Plus they could get some in the transfer portal when it opens up in May. So this is going forward how it's going to be. I would say even if Chip Kelly weren't the coach, you would be remiss as a UCLA coach not to use UCLA's advantage in transfer recruiting. Yeah. Um, but there are positions like offensive line that are different than, than others. Uh, offensive line, probably defensive line, those are different in a lot of, in, in many ways compared to just some of the skill positions. For one thing, um, you know, it, it, Offensive line effectiveness is all is a great deal about cohesiveness, continuity, um, and developing the players to be the kind of offensive lineman that you want them to be to fit into your system. So that that requires a certain amount that you do get high school players um, and develop them. Just from the standpoint too, if you have five starters and you brought in four transfers, you would lack cohesion. <laughs> They just don't know it, or it would take a while before there was some cohesiveness. So I said cohesiveness and cohesion. 
I know. That I was, was, I was cool. I was sitting there and I'm like, wow, he's just, he's doing everything. That's great. <laughs> On all different forms of Kohi. Um, yeah, you were, you were ready. You were there. So with offensive line in any, any given year, you need to recruit high school. In this year, especially, UCLA is, has 13 scholarship offensive linemen. It should have 15. That's kind of the standard what you carry in a program. There are, you could, among those 13, seven of them are juniors and seniors. You could lose a lot to graduation or transfer. There just aren't, there's five sophomores and freshmen. Um, UCLA needs to sign probably a class of at least four, if not five, high school offensive linemen. Um, So that's going to be their biggest challenge. They started off strong. They got a commitment from... A guy I like, Joshua Glance, he's a three-star, but I think um, I think he's more of a low, lower-level four-star. And that might happen once he's seen more in uh, some camps this spring. But, you know, it, it's got to get it, let's say, three more guys in high school and at least two more kind of four-star guys, like offers out the guys that they've offered that a four-star, Nathan Roy, uh, brother of Benjamin Roy, who is the backup center, who was probably the future starting center. Justin Tayanu, Manasi uh, Tete, and Paki Finau, all four-star guys that they have a chance to get. They got to get at least two of those guys in this class. That's that's a big challenge. So just breaking that down, you can see everything. It's all different now. Um between each single position in each unit, what is needed in high school recruiting and given that year, given the roster, given the depth chart. So it's a lot more complicated. Yeah. Oh, it totally is. Um, But yeah, I mean, I agree with all of that. Um, Line play both sides. You still need high school guys, but everything else, it's just trickier. And you've got to be a lot more careful with what you're doing and what you're targeting. And, the, you know, it always comes down to the unknown of what's going to be available. But I think what we're learning is there's always kind of something available. You just can't be going for five offensive linemen in the portal. Um, you can't be going for um, some, in, you know, a premium position uh, targeting, like, you know, you need three or four of these guys. Um, like, you can't get your entire linebacker core in the portal. But picking and choosing a starter here and a starter there, you can do. Um, and that's why it's so important from not just like the logical standpoints of development, all that kind of stuff, but also you're just not going to get that many offensive linemen in the portal. Too many, too many teams need upgrades on the offensive line always. Um, so I'd say maybe linebacker too. Yeah. That's a position you like to have development. You like to have younger guys that are, that are growing up in your, in your program too. Other, a lot of the skill positions you can plug them in. Um, but yeah, yeah. Interesting right. though, how it's all completely different. Now. It is. It's crazy. And, and, it's a and brave every year, world. instead of just saying, oh, we're down some cornerbacks. We need two. it's, it's, it's a whole different formula now. So I was just looking at something, a little basketball coda, uh, for the end here. Uh, Bart Torvik, who's like sort of a lesser Ken Palm, 
but he does a lot more nifty stuff on his website. I've always thought you liked him more. Well, he's just he does a little bit more fun stuff. Okay. Uh, he actually calls them funalytics. Um, he has UCLA right now. If you run out the uh, simulation, ninety-eight point one percent chance of at least sharing the regular season title, and a ninety, even ninety percent chance of being the sole winner of the Pac-12 regular season title. Dang. So there you go. There you go. Does he just come up with these? <laughs> Just comes up with these numbers randomly. Well, this is based on efficiencies, Tracy. It's based on formula and efficiencies, things that that the selection committee does not understand because they are stupid. They're idiots idiots. is what you started it off. Because they are dumb idiots. There we go. They are redundantly so. I have to be redundant because that's how stupid they are. Yes. Uh, All right. I think we're done. Oh, uh, defensive coordinator... Yeah, nothing's happened yet, but, um, you know, <laughs> um, Bill, Mc- it, it will still, it is still happening that Bill McGovern will no longer be UCLA's defensive coordinator next year. That is highly, highly, highly likely that that's happening. I'll, j- I'll just say it's happening. Um, hasn't been announced. There's still, you know, a lot of things to work through contractually, legally. Uh, I can say that uh, there's 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 been uh, let's just say there's been a little movement on the defensive coordinator candidates, but again, it's I can't. I'm ham hamstrung hamstrung ham my hamstring. Um, I'm tied up. I'm being able to say it. Uh, just because I, I don't trust all the information yet, I got to find out more. Uh, also, McGovern has not officially been transitioned out of the program. So, but just know things are. Ha- I'm saying this because everyone's out there. What's happening? Why would things are happening on that front? Things are continuing apace. There you go. All right. Well, that's it for me. I think that's it for Tracy. Yes. So for Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods. Bruno Port Online. We'll talk to you again next time. See y'all.